Good evening to everybody. Great to be here. All of these Super Bowl refugees here tonight. <laughs> that is great, Brad. It's great. Uh, and that's what VCRs are for. Great to be together. I want us this evening to look at the first part of a new study that uh, I wanted to bring. And as I've said a number of times in our Sunday evening services, I want these to be faith-strengthening, faith-building studies that we go through. And uh, this one is no exception to that. Now, it gets personal because I'm asking a personal question. Are you a careless Christian? Now, again, that can be very personal or be taken very personal. It, it, the fingers all point back to me as well. Am I a careless Christian? Usually on a Sunday evening, most of the folks who gather with us will be members of the Lord's church. And so I can pretty well address that question kind of in a general, broad-based way because most of us would say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Are you a careless Christian? So you might wonder, well, what does that mean? But let's, let's think about it. And we're going to look at the first part tonight. And my plan is to, to look at the second part next Sunday evening and bring this particular focused study to a close. So I'm not meaning to be accusing at all. But I want us to all stop and think introspectively, personally, you know, self-examination. How focused are you on your spiritual life? And how focused are you on your relationship with God? How focused are you on your soul? Now, I'm afraid that from my observation, my experience dealing with people, looking and seeing what's going on in our culture, in our society, in our country right now, let alone around the world, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that a whole huge percentage of people and probably even a great percentage of people who would claim to be Christians in some way or another are not very focused on their soul, not very focused on their relationship with God. Now, if you ask them some pertinent questions along that line, they probably, most of them would, would give the right answers, but their life says something else. The way they're living, what their, their life indicates is really their, their main focus or focuses, and it does not seem to be on God, does not seem to be on their soul. I can't tell you how many years ago it was, long before I came to Omaha, and that's been many years ago, I tried to start getting across the understanding that if you don't end up in heaven, then your, fa then, then your life has been a failure. Now, I put it different ways. I've also said nothing matters except getting to heaven. Now, again, some people would retort, well, what about taking somebody with you? And my response to that is, excuse the grammar, but I use it for sake of emphasis. If you ain't going, you ain't taking nobody with you. So whatever your ultimate destination is eternally, is going to have an influence on people around you and on people in general. So how focused are you on your soul? I want us to begin with Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26. 
And Jesus put it pretty succinctly right here. He said, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will man give in exchange for his soul? He puts it in two different forms of questions, but he's asking the very same thing, basically. What is your focus in life? How focused are you on your soul? There's nothing as valuable that God has blessed us with as our personal soul. What are we doing in regards to our ultimate eternal destiny, the destiny of our soul? So the question, are you careless? Are you a careless Christian? What kind of attention are you giving to your soul, to your ultimate soul's destiny? This physical body, as we, we all know, is going to die one day unless the Lord comes first and we're still living at that time, but then this physical body will be done away with anyway. So how prepared are you? How are you preparing for eternity? Now I want us to think about two different words, two different words that describe exact opposites as to attention given to a particular matter. And we could look at these two words in reference to all kinds of different situations, all kinds of different matters that come to us in our lives. We can talk about the grammar school student. We can talk about the high school student. We can talk about the college student in regards to whatever major he or she chooses. We can talk about our job, our profession. We can talk about our marriage relationship. We can talk about our family relationship. We can on and on and on it goes. And the two words are simply careful and careless. And they're at exact opposite ends of the spectrum. So we can kind of boil down careful as expressing, exercising, exhibiting, or marked by, or done with care. It's attentive. And most literally, the word means full of care. Careful, full of care. But when you're thinking about it from the the root word careful, you're talking about full of care from a positive perspective. You're giving it the proper attention, whatever that matter is. You're exhibiting your, 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 your actions, your focus is marked by having doing whatever you're supposed to be doing with care. Now, the opposite is careless. And it's exactly the opposite in understanding. It is, it is the idea of being neglectful and indifferent, negligent, showing a lack of proper concern for whatever the situation might be or the matter at hand that you're supposed to be attending to, that you're supposed to be giving attention to. And appropriate synonyms would be lackadaisical, apathetic, inattentive, rather than being attentive, it would be being inattentive. So which of these two basic words, which of these two basic words best describes your attitude and your life as a Christian? Now, again, we know the right answer. We know, and, and so a lot of people would, would probably just automatically say, careful, I'm being careful. But then does your life say that? Does the way you're living your life, the way I'm living my life, does it indicate carefulness or carelessness? 
So I want us to really stop and, and probe into our conscience, examine ourselves in a really careful, get the word again, and deep way. Where are we? We need to be careful not to be careless and thereby put our souls in jeopardy and our salvation in jeopardy. We need to pay attention. Now again, these bo- this, they, our bodies physically are going to die. But the soul goes on. And there's only two ultimate destinies by way of possibility for our soul. One, we don't even like to think about, do we? And a lot of people have just put that out of their minds. They've just tried to explain it away, ignore it, out of sight, out of mind, probably doesn't exist very, in a very real way in their mind. That's, that's eternal condemnation in hell. And focus on the word eternal there. The other is heaven, being with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in a place where the revelation tells us there is no sickness, no sorrow, no pain, no tears, no dying. Eternal, eternally blessed to walk the streets of heaven, to be in the presence of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. Well, we need to be careful not to be careless and thereby put our soul's salvation in jeopardy. Now, I want us to understand we're not talking about worrying. We're not talking about worrying. So if we faithfully walk with God according to his teachings, then we're going to be exhibiting carefulness, carefulness. We're going to, we're not going to need to worry. A whole lot of people are caught up in worry on an ongoing basis couple of verses of scripture from the Sermon on the Mount, the same chapter, Matthew chapter 6. In fact, just a few verses separate them. Jesus says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now he's not talking about, he's not suggesting just being lackadaisical. That's carelessness again. When he says, do not worry, he's just trying to get across the understanding and he brings this out through the rest of this chapter. If you're walking with God faithfully, actively, dedicated, then you you can trust God to take care of you in these basic needs of life. So he says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will put on. Trust God, in other words. We go a little bit further in this same sixth chapter of Matthew, same setting, same basic context of what Jesus is teaching here. So verse 28, he goes on and he says, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Now the text goes on and says, and yet I say to you that Solomon in all of his glory, maybe the richest man who ever lived on earth, from a material perspective, was not arrayed like one of these or was not clothed like one of these. In other words, he says, God has has so beautifully endowed the flowers of the field that they go beyond what we could possibly do in dressing up ourselves. 
although we try, don't we? And so he's talking about the basic necessities of life. And he says, look, if you're trusting God, if you're walking with God, you don't need to worry about those things. Do what you're supposed to do. Work for a living. Put yourself to the task. But then trust God to take care of you all along the way. He's not saying sit under a tree and let the blessings just fall down on you. Do what you're supposed to do again. Work your job. Use the abilities, the blessings physically that God has blessed you with and mentally and earn your living and let God, trust God to take care of you. Now, when you think about this word that is translated from the Greek into the English in this particular translation as worry, the King James Version says, take no thought for your life. And it also goes on then in the next verse, 28, and says, why take ye thought for raiment? The New King James Version is, as we have read it here, uses the word more directly, worry. The American Standard Version, the Revised Standard Version, they both use the word anxious, do not be anxious in verse 25. And then the New King James Version, the New International Version, again, they say do not worry. The NIV says that as well. Now, the sense here is anxiety, worry, being full of care from the negative perspective of not trusting God. You're worrying about something that you should be looking to God to help you with. Let's look at another verse of Scripture. So, anxiety, worry, being full of care from a distrustful perspective in regard to your relationship with God. Who are you walking with? Who do you depend upon for the blessings? Are you praying to God? Are you, are you dedicated to God through your life in such a way that, that it's apparent that you're walking with God, you're trusting in him, you're asking for his blessings and care on an ongoing basis as you live your life. Now, Philippians chapter four and verse six, New King James Version says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And there's the idea of praying to God on an ongoing basis, a regular, frequent basis, asking for God's blessings, his care, his sustenance, his taking care of you, while thanking him at the same time for all of those blessings. Now, again, it's the same Greek word as used in the King James Version when it says, where, where it is translated, be careful. But again, the idea from a negative perspective, the lack of trust, the lack of confidence, or at least demonstrated confidence in God to help you. The New King James Version, the NIV, the American Standard Version all use be careful be careful, or, or rather be anxious for nothing, translates the word as anxious. And have the, the revised version goes a little bit further. It says, have no anxiety about anything. So you see these negative kinds of connotations coming forth here. It's interesting in Luke chapter 10 and verse 41, when Jesus is with Mary and Martha in their home and he's teaching, he's teaching and apparently there's... At least, probably at least Lazarus there. But anyway, there might be some others there. And 
And Martha gets up and she decides she needs to fix a meal because the Savior's here, the Lord's here. And Mary is not getting up to help her. She's not taking the cue. She's still sitting there at the feet of Jesus, listening to him teach. And Martha, finally, she, she calls the Lord and says, make Mary get up and help me prepare a meal. And so what does Jesus say? He answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. The text goes on and says, he tells Martha that Mary has chosen the better part and it's not going to be taken away from her. I'm not going to tell her to get up. What do you think I'm here for? I'm here to teach. The meal, that's secondary. And that's fine that you want to be responsible in that way, but that's not the most important matter right now. So he says, I'm not going to tell Mary to get up. And really, the intimation probably is, and you really need to come back and sit down yourself. Forget about the meal. We can take care of that later. So again, it's the same Greek word. Martha was rebuked for being careful and troubled about many things. King James Version. Your American Standard Version, about being anxious. But as we've read in the New King James, the NIV, worried, worried. You are worried about and worried and troubled about many things. Interesting, interesting. Now, all of these translations, when we look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, all of them, the New King James Version, the King James Version, the NIV, the American Standard Version, the Revised Standard Version, they all translate this particular passage of Scripture and the word in there that we're focusing upon, Titus 3 and verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful, but, we're Jesus, but Paul is using that particular word from a positive perspective, that you should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Now, what again is the basic boiled down meaning of that word careful, full of care. But how is it used here? It's used in a positive way. It's used to get across the idea of pro giving proper thought, proper consideration, and proper attention to the matter. And what is the matter at hand that Paul is addressing? that you maintain as a Christian good works. You don't want just wear a name. You don't, you're not being out there being careless in how you're living your Christian life. You're giving proper attention to how you're living your life and being involved in the good works that God has created for you to be involved in. Going back to Ephesians 2 and verse 10. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, there's still another word in the Greek that is translated in reference to qualities that, that ought to be inherent within a man who is being considered to be appointed as an elder within a congregation. And so 1 Timothy 3 and verse 5, we read, if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of 
the church of God. And so there it is, take care of. Still a different word, but again, the basic sense is connected. He's going to take care of the church. He's going to give proper attention to his position as an elder, as a leader within the local congregation to deal with the matters that, that, that God places upon him as an elder within the church, making sure that, that the church stays true to God through teaching and through worship and through service and dedication. And, and that's a heavy responsibility upon all elders within the Lord's church, within, a, within a, an individual congregation. So take care of. Now, I want to finish up this evening by, by saying we should not be so full of care that it develops into worry and anxiety that demonstrates a lack of trust in God. We could apply this to our personal lives in a whole lot of different situations, can't we? We get sick. What is the first thing that we have been conditioned to think of whenever we get sick in some kind of pronounced way. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, just I got a headache today. But if there's anything significant, we start to feel bad, we start to feel sick, what's the first thing we've been conditioned to think of? COVID, right? Think you got COVID? Well, yeah. might you be dying? Well, you might, but, you know, where's your trust in God? Are you praying about it? Are you doing what God has given you the good sense to try to take care of? Or what if there's a, a, a you know, a flare-up between a husband and a wife? And so, well, maybe we should just end this whole thing. Well, that's a stupid thing to even think, let alone verbalize. You don't like the color of the couch that I like? Whatever it is. Yeah, what is our thought behind all of this? We need to not be so full of care that it develops into worry and anxiety because we're thinking, basically, we're being conditioned that I've got to take care of this all by myself. And that demonstrates a lack of trust in God. But we do need to be careful to make sure that our life demonstrates proper dedication and commitment to God. Now, again, I'm not talking about becoming lackadaisical. I'm not talking about be becoming irresponsible and, and just being like, oh, la, 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 everything's going to be all right. God's going to take care of everything, even though the house is on fire. Do you think you ought to call the fire department? No, God's going to take care of it. I'm not talking like that. that that's, that's stupid. That's careless. But we need to be careful to make sure that our life demonstrates proper dedication and commitment to God. We need to do what we're supposed to do. We need to do all that we can do, all that we are supposed to be responsible for doing in given situations. But we also need to trust God. We need to bring him into the, into the situation, whatever it is. Ask for his blessings, his care, and also his guidance and wisdom. 
We need to live our life like that every day in every situation. Every day in every situation. Now maybe you're thinking, yeah, yeah, I, I think I probably need to change my focus. I'm probably not as focused upon my soul as I ought to be. I'm too caught up in the affairs of this world and I'm not paying proper attention to my soul's salvation, my eternal destiny. We'd love to help you with that. Maybe you just need the prayers of the church to help you along that line. We're here. If you'll step forward and let us know or talk with us privately. Maybe you say, you know, I need somebody to study with me from God's word. We'll help you with that if you'll just ask us this evening. Maybe you're at the point where you say, I need to quit messing around and I need to be baptized into Christ. So the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse me of the guilt of my sins. We're here to help you with that. As we helped one who came forward and talked to me this morning right after services, said, I'm ready to be baptized. And we took care of that right then. We're here. If you need to come, won't you come right now as we stand together and sing?